Welcome to today's podcast, uh, Life in the Front Office, uh, featuring Fred Clare, Andy Dolich, and Pat Gallagher, three legends from the sports business world who have had triumphant careers, almost 150 years experience in the sports industry, and over 90 years living in a front office. One of the things we wanted to do with this podcast is dive into their careers, understand their career paths, talk about what's, what it's like to be in the front office, work in sports in today's world, and then eventually what does the future of sports look like? And there's no one better than the three of these guys to give all of their insights, wisdom, and expert advice uh, based on their experiences. Today's episode starts with Fred Clare, former general manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers and a man of many other things, one of the kindest and most humble guys I've ever met in my life. Uh, my name is Jake Kirschman. I will be moderating the podcast, and I've been fortunate enough to be mentored by a young career. Um, welcome, Fred. Jake, uh, good to be with you, and uh, it's great to uh, to be a part of life in the front office and uh, to be able to combine efforts with two longtime friends and very accomplished people, uh, Andy Dolich and Pat Gallagher. So I look forward to this, and with the primary uh, goal uh, is to help people, students or others, who have an interest in the business world of sports, uh, to be whatever help that we can be in giving guidance, in, in giving uh, helpful information, uh, because uh, the three of us, uh, Andy, Pat, myself, have been very fortunate, worked very hard, but been very fortunate. And I know that all of us have an interest in sharing our thoughts uh, to help uh, the future uh, generation of people who will lead in the business world of sports. Absolutely. And it's, and it's my honor to have you on the show today. Um, one of the things we wanted to dive into is, you know, as, as a young, uh, enthusiastic uh, sports person, you know, yourself, when you were starting out, uh, you didn't have a you know, career path like most would think uh, as a, of a general manager. Um, kind of dive into how you got started in sports, what you were actually doing before sports. Um, and, and how you got yourself into the Dodgers organization. Well, Jake, my, uh, my love for sports uh, goes back uh, indeed to my earliest memories and growing up in a small town in Ohio, Jamestown, Ohio, population 1,500. Uh, I simply uh, fell in love uh, with sports. Uh, basketball was a big part of the little community where I grew up, and uh, I became a, uh, uh, an avid, uh, not just fan, but uh, wanting to play the game, and then uh, falling in love with baseball and the opportunity to uh, have my parents take me to the first game, major league games I ever saw at Crosley Field. But uh, the basic part of that is that I saw very early on that my love for sports and somehow, some way, I knew at that very early age, this is where I want to spend my life. And I consider myself blessed to recognize that. And there are many young people who fall in love with sports. But I 
was determined very early on to find a career path of how I could stay involved in sports. And uh, I didn't know whether that would be as a coach. I considered that a possibility. I certainly knew my athletic ability wasn't going to take me very far in the world of sports. But then it was um, journalism. And even in this um, small school, I think 30, maybe 30, 33 class uh, members, uh, there was a, um, I can remember there was a, a yearbook publication. And I look back and see my picture among the students involved. So it really became writing that I saw that could have me connected. And in high school, even though I played junior varsity basketball and baseball, uh, it was the writing that enabled me to uh, stay connected and then led ultimately to a career path uh, where I went to San Jose State uh, after uh, two years of junior college uh, as a journalism major, uh, graduated, entered the newspaper field, and then ultimately in uh, 1969 had the opportunity to join the Dodgers in publicity and my career path uh, took me uh, from there. So a very, very basic summary of um, uh, a very uh, interesting uh, journey for which I'm very thankful for so many people who helped me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think one of the things that I learned early on from someone like yourself uh, as a mentor is to give back. Um, that's, you know, some things that, that get overlooked often, but maybe expand a little bit on giving back and, and how that's become something that you really um, hold true to yourself as you've gone throughout your career. Well, when, um, when I left the Dodgers after uh, 30 years in 1998, or perhaps more uh, accurately worded, when the Dodgers left me in 1998, but that's another chapter to the story, one of the things that I wanted to do uh, was I, I wanted to give back in the form, even at that time or at that time, of helping young people and uh and so uh, that uh, gave me an opportunity, or I had an opportunity, to enter the academic world. And uh, a year uh, after I um, was fired uh, by the Dodgers, uh, I uh, had friends at USC and uh, was interested in teaching, was interested in giving back, helping young people. And so um, at that point, uh, in, I think, 1999, um, with my associate, Jeff Fellinger, we started the class uh, Sports, Business, and the Media at the Annenberg School at USC. So that class has now been in existence going on two decades, nearly 20 years. I also um, became involved in the Long Beach State Sports Management uh, program because a um, former Dodger employee and friend, uh, Bill Schumart, was at Long Beach State at that time. Uh, I then, during that period, uh, had uh, a student contact me from Fordham University and became involved in helping uh, 
the Fordham students, even though I've never been on the campus, start a student sports association. Uh, and then my uh, last involvement, uh, and certainly one of uh, the more interesting academic involvements, was to have the opportunity to speak to teach the first sports business class ever at Caltech. So I have seen on that path through USC, through Long Beach State, through Fordham, through Caltech, the potential of what can happen to students. Uh, for example, two, two of my students at Caltech who had no idea that they are, were, might be a possibility to work in sports now work for the Dodgers. Um, when I taught at Caltech uh, a couple of years ago, I had Bill Schumart uh, come into the class and Jeff Fellinger, uh, my uh, friends and co-works at USC and Long Beach State. And I asked them to make a count from the classes to where we were involved, of uh, the people working in sports. Jacob, there were more than 200 students now people, professionals in the business world of sports. So that's the great satisfaction. That's the reason for this podcast. And um, if we can, um, uh, if we can help a few, uh, uh, if we can help one uh, to find a career path uh, that will make all of this very meaningful. No, hundred percent agree, Fred. And, and one of the things, you know, people might observe about your career is, you know, obviously you won the world series in 1988 with the, the famous Kirk Gibson and, you know, success on the field and everything like that. But amongst all of those things, what are the couple things that you really learned uh, being in a front office uh, amongst your career that you could share with, with the young people um, that you think would be beneficial for them to know? outside of the under the lights and in the glory on the newspaper? I, I, I think the key part in being a part of the Dodger organization and being very fortunate to be there at the time when the Dodgers were owned by the O'Malley family, uh, Walter and Peter O'Malley, uh, the, 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 the real, as basic as this will sound, uh, but the real keynote to that in terms of Dodgers success in the front office as well as on the team but in the front office was teamwork people pulling together and that that sounds so basic but it's still so true and the other part of that was the continuity of the organization and that help that happens continuity happens only through ownership or the very upper level of management. Because if you have the right people and you give them the responsibility and, and you give them the experience and you let them work themselves through the good times and the bad times, then you can achieve long-term success. And I can remember, uh, the O'Malley philosophy in terms of all what was happening on the field. There isn't any one individual who dictates our destiny. We will win as a team and we will lose as a team. And Jake, and you've heard me say this, one of the uh, books that I reference for people interested in sports has almost no mention 
of any sports name except uh, a man that I was honored to know and a dear friend, John Wooden. And that book, of course, is Jim Collins' Good to Great. And I was asked to speak at Biola University on this book. And um, it, it uh, was a book, uh, Jim Collins uh, out of Stanford and a tremendous student group uh, looking at companies in, across the board, publicly traded companies. What are the common denominators that make these companies great? How do they get from good to great? And it wasn't judged solely on stock price. It was judged on concepts and leadership. And, and two that stand out in my mind were, are the that Collins and the students pointed out were the flywheel concept. Day after day after day after day, you continue as a team to do your best. And there isn't necessarily one magic moment that creates success. It's the process. And the other term, I found this interesting because this was the Dodgers, no matter how we may have been perceived, the term was hedgehogs. We dug in day after day after day as a team and to try to improve everything that we did not only on the field, in the front office, how do we get better? How do we do our jobs better? And the great satisfaction of that is that when you do win, and then just as a team, you win together. And there's no greater satisfaction. Awesome. No, and, and one of the things from a, you know, all the outsiders looking in, you know, now the Dodgers are worth you know, billions and billions of dollars. And looking at the, the new wave of sports, some people might look back and say, well, you know, how did Fred get to be a general manager? And, and you know, now today's different. But shed a little insight into uh, the maturity of your career and, and the path and how you know, one of the lessons I learned early on from you is no one has the same path, not even – you know, yourself and Andy and Pat, all three of you are different, which we will find out later in this podcast, but shed some light into, you know, what young people can do in today's day and age to put themselves in a position to succeed, but then also be exposed to experience that can not only grow themselves professionally, but personally. Well, my start, Jake, as I've mentioned, nine when I had the opportunity to join the team. It was my first year in covering the Dodgers uh, for the Long Beach newspaper. And in 1969, an opening came about in the publicity office uh, it, with the Dodgers. And when I say publicity office, think about this. It's rather astounding. In 1969, uh, the publicity office of the Dodgers was made up of three people. Arthur Red Patterson, a legendary public relations man who was with the Yankees before he came with the Dodgers, a secretary, Janet Calderwood, and a publicity person. And uh, I moved into that position when an opening developed. So there were three of us with the Dodgers handling all publicity, all public relations, all promotions, all fan mail, all statistics, uh, all community relations. 
And it was a blessing because I was able to observe so much, learn so much. Because if you take the publicity department of a major league team today, I don't even know what the count would be. There may be 20, 30, 40, 50 or more people. But I had that advantage of being with a very small team in publicity. And it was typical across the board in terms of the other departments, whether it was player personnel, whether it was scouting, whatever it may have been. So I had the chance to get deeply involved in every aspect of the organization, including and very directly into the baseball operation uh, with Al Campanis as the general manager, Bill Schweppe as the farm director, Walter Alston as the manager. So when, uh, when people say, well, how, Fred made a move from public relations to marketing, and I had gone from publicity director to uh, vice president of public relations and promotions, then to executive vice president, I believe in 1981 or two, where I oversaw the Dodger front office. But in uh, 1987, uh, the opportunity developed uh, to become the general manager. And uh, the sad start, sad part of that story is has been well recorded. Uh, was uh, Al Campanis resigning uh, his position as the Dodger general manager after a um, widely publicized and a very unfortunate um, appearance on the the Nightline show. So I became the general manager to start 1987. And people said, well, Fred, what, what, what's Fred's experience in the game? I had at that time nearly 20 years with the Dodgers. I looked at that and said, if I was going to college, I'd have five degrees. So I think I know... Uh, how, what what this is all about because I had been very blessed to be so close to the baseball park and um, uh, with with Walt Alston, with all of his great coaches, with Tommy Lasorda, with all the scouts, Ben Wade and the scouting staff. So when the opening was there, or when I was asked to take the position of general manager, I, I felt comfortable with the fact that I had the background I'm a competitive person. I knew that I was going to give the best that I had to give. And so it was not for me, from the people that I was dealing with, other teams, agents, doctors, scouts, player development. It was not a difficult transition. Uh, and I relate that, Jake, because if you look at a lot of companies where people, it may be a financial company, it may be in any industry, People start out in a position, and when they get to know more and more about the company, then opportunities develop. And along those lines, and I've said this to students, take ownership of the company. Take ownership of the organization. Look at it as if you, you, you are in an ownership position of the company you're working for, the university that you're working for, the baseball team that you're working for, and ask yourself one basic question. What can I do to make this organization better? Now, what's in my best interest? What can I do to make us better? 
And it's amazing what will happen because that becomes recognized that you're more interested in team than self. And it's, and the rewards for that, certainly the rewards in, in my career uh, were, were, were tremendous uh, because my interest was always in doing my best for the Dodgers and trying to make the Dodgers better. Uh, you make a great point. And I think sometimes some people get lost in the fact that, that the, the baseball side or the player side and whatever sport it might be is, is more glorious than the business side. And, but at the end of the day, kind of like you were alluding to is, you know, everyone's part of the organization, everyone's doing their part and everyone's part of a team. Talk a little bit about, you know, what the front office culture is like, why is that so important? And ultimately how one person, once they do get into an organization can make an effect and an impact on a culture? Jake, a good question. And I state this point over and over to students. It applied during my career. I like to believe it applies today. Any job that I was ever given with the Dodgers, starting out as the publicity director, I, I wanted to do one thing and one thing only. I wanted to be the best publicity director that I could be. I didn't look and say, oh, my gosh, here's Mr. Patterson, VP of Public Relations. I want his job. That, I, I had no, that was not my interest at all. I wanted to do the job as publicity director to the best of my ability. It so happened when Red Patterson, my dear friend, uh, left to become the president of the Angels, I was asked to take his job, vice president, public relations and promotions. When I had that job, that was the only job I wanted to do. I didn't look and say, oh, gee, I'd like to be involved with the players. I wanted to do the job that I had to the best of my ability. And as time went on, I had the opportunity to become the executive vice president of the Dodgers, now involved in the overall organization at all levels. And that's what I wanted to do. I didn't look and say, oh my gosh, you know, I've you know, made these steps. Now I'd like to get into baseball. That was in terms of baseball operation. That was the furthest thing from my mind. But the opportunity came and I was asked by the ownership, by Peter O'Malley, when Al Campanis resigned, his basic words were, Fred, you need to take this job. And so I became the general manager. Look, for the students, for people working for a company, do the job that you're assigned to do and do it to the best of your ability. And if you're not happy with it, then look someplace else. Because as long as you're being paid by a company, you owe your full commitment to that company and to your specific job. If, if you can't handle a job which may, some may view as a lower-level job, then I ask you, how are you going to handle a higher-level job when you can't handle the job you've been assigned to? It's pretty basic, Jake. Let, let's, let, let's fulfill. And, you know, 
when you look at all that, the same thing applies from a team concept. Uh, if, you, if your job and you start the season and your job is at a utility player and you're moaning because you think you're better than the guy playing second or the game playing short and you're unhappy with your position, you're not a good teammate and you're not a productive player. And you're not ready if the opportunity comes along. So I think there are similarities there. I know there are similarities between uh, what happens in uh, a front office, what happens on a baseball field, what happens on a football field, what happens in any organization. So that um, th- that that was always uh, part of my uh, philosophy. And I was greatly rewarded because uh, through each stage of my career, uh, I continued to advance in the Dodger organization. Uh, for that, I'm forever grateful uh, because it gave me the opportunities to have many, many wonderful experiences. Fred, wise words uh, of wisdom. Appreciate it. You know, in today's day and age, everyone can follow, you know, the Theo Epstein's and and the Stan Castens of the world on social media, and they can you know see everything they're doing and posting and et cetera. You know what what were you know obviously when the Facebooks and the Twitters weren't around when you were the general manager, and I'm sure people would have loved to know you know who you were and what you were about, and obviously they could see that through a product on the field. But you know what were some things that you know Fred Claire represented that you would want people to know, or, or people might know not or not know about you? Well, you know, Jake, uh, it's interesting because there was a great deal of coverage. And no, not the immediate coverage of Facebook, of Twitter, of social media. But think about this. What we had at one point, we had five daily newspapers covering the Dodgers. As the general manager of the Dodgers, every move I made, everything I, I did, believe me, was well documented in, in print. And uh, so it was not, it's not a, a, uh, a direct comparison because it's so great, much greater today because of all the social media. So that definitely has changed the world. But um, in terms of uh, what the the fans uh, may have thought or what the perception of me was, is, I've always left that to, um, to others because it, it's, 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 it's the way it should be. That uh, I, my relationships and, 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 and the, the people best suited to answer that question are the people who were there covering the team? What was Fred about? What did he believe in? What, 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 what was his uh, mode of operation? What do you think of him? Um, and whatever those answers are, whether it was from the media, whether it was from former players, whether it was from competing teams, whether it was from simply fans, the answer to those questions lie in the answers of the people who were in those categories because they have the right to make the judgment. So um, I could only control 
I couldn't control my perception. I could control my responsibility. So I would like to think, because I know it's true, there was never a day that I worked for the Los Angeles Dodgers where I didn't give everything I had to give. And, um, and that, that's what I uh, take pride in because I knew I gave my fullest effort every single day. Well, and, and Fred, and obviously that translates into in uh, your life as well. You know, not only do you help the Dodgers beat uh, the A's in the World Series, but you've also uh, helped yourself beat cancer. And talk a little bit about that, your journey a little bit, uh, what you're up to now with, with your golf tournament, uh, and then we can wrap it up from there. Well, the, my life changed. Uh, as many lives changed uh, uh, two years ago, almost two years ago uh, to this date, a little more than two years now, uh, when um, I was hit by cancer and um, it hit me in what appeared to be a very innocent way. I had a little spot on my lip uh, that was from many, many days in the sun. My dermatologist looked at it and uh, said, this looks um, like something where we should take a biopsy. I had the biopsy taken surgery was required, minor surgery. They call the Mohs procedure, where they take a little swipe of the cancer and then take another one until they have it all. So in uh, 2015, actually, uh, that uh, Mohs procedure uh, I under, underwent. Things seemed to be great. I felt great. And then two years ago in August, I began experiencing these tremendous, this tremendous pain in my face. And the Mohs procedure hadn't captured the cancer. It had moved uh, from my lip up to my jawbone and headed north. And so um, uh, the cancer was squamous cell carcinoma, described even by doctors as a nasty cancer. So I um, underwent surgery in uh, 2016 for the removal of the cancer uh, in, in my uh, jawbone, uh, the operation, the chemo, uh, the radiation, et cetera, as all cancer patients know. So I wanted to um, uh, give back to the City of Hope because when I walked in the City of Hope in Duarte, California, I saw the incredible team that was there and so I wanted to do something to help. And so um, I started with the help of friends, uh, a golf tournament to raise money for the City of Hope. And as you know, Jake, we held our first tournament in um, 2017 and uh, raised uh, over 200,000. Our second tournament completed uh, less than a month ago. Uh, we raised uh, over 230000 So in calling upon friends, we honored uh, Rod Carew with the Celebration of Life Award, our first tournament. Tommy Lasorda just this past August the 20th. So many, many major league players and people involved who supported our efforts. So the call is, the question is timely, Jake, from this standpoint. 
today, Cheryl and I have been invited to go to the City of Hope because the doctor, one of the lead doctors in cancer and head and neck cancer at the City Hope has invited us to be at the City Hope so that they can show directly what the impact of our fundraising has done to help in head and neck and thyroid cancer. Because half the funds this year I directed, uh, to, in addition to head and neck where cancer hit me, to thyroid cancer because I lost, and baseball lost, a very dear friend with the passing of Kevin Towers this year due to anaplastic thyroid cancer. And that's a terrible, terrible type of cancer. And I wanted to do all that I could uh, in the memory of courageous of, of Kevin's courageous fight. So uh, today, we will go to the City of Hope. We will see the results, not of our efforts, the efforts of so, so many people who came to support us uh, to see um, what's, uh, what, what is being accomplished with the funds we, we raised. And you know what, Jake? That's a far greater reward uh, than as uh, wonderful as um, 30 years ago, 1988 was. Uh, I can tell you the, the feeling of giving a full-out effort to help uh, victims of cancer is uh, about as rewarding as it can be. Well, Fred, it's, you've been a true inspiration to many people. Uh, obviously, everything comes full circle there, and, and it's amazing to see, you know, uh, the full transition and, and kind of what you've been able to do throughout your career, and, but really just the, the impact on people's lives. Um, hopefully, you know, we can continue to shed uh, light on, on more of that wisdom as we move throughout the podcast. Uh, you know, thank you for your time today. And uh, appreciate all of the advice for those uh, who are looking to get into sports and, and work in sports and make it a career. But not only make it a career, but make it a lifestyle like you have. And uh, as you can allude to, we have uh, week two coming up with Andy Dolich. Uh, you can kind of speak to him a little bit and uh, your, your colleague as well. And uh, we'll wrap it up. Well, Andy, uh, Andy's accomplishments in the business world of sports uh, are of uh, indeed legendary status. I mean, Andy, I first met him when I first met Andy when he uh, was with the Oakland A's. <laughs> he came to, uh, to my office and uh, I had been with the Dodgers for a while. And Andy had a concept. Andy always has a concept. And it was Freddie said, you know, with the A's, um, we need really a, a, a focal point. And he told me about Billy Ball. Billy Martin was to be the manager of the A's. So Andy took uh, a feature that could be helpful to the overall marketing of the team. But Andy's work with uh, the Oakland Athletics, uh, with the Warriors, with the 49ers, and much beyond that, his work in today's world of sports uh, is, uh, uh, is really a tremendous roadmap of uh, accomplishments, opportunities. Uh, he continues with his passion, the teaching that Andy has done. So with both Andy and then uh, with Pat Gallagher, and uh, I know as Pat turns comes to bat, 
there'll be more acknowledgement of his accomplishments. But uh, Pat's work with the Giants, uh, with a recent Super Bowl, with his whole career. So I, I'm just uh, I'm happy. I'm proud to be associated with these great friends and people of great accomplishment. Again, with the common goal of helping young people uh, have the type of enjoyment that we've had from working in the world of sports. So life in the front office is a lot of work, but it is a great joy. And um, for those who tune in, uh, I encourage you to tell others to tune in because we want to help as many uh, people as we can to show that there are opportunities and that there is a way to get involved and to make a contribution in the business world of sports.